2: Well, thank you for joining us here on Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Mushadama, back with you once again on this Wednesday morning. And remember, you are listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to southern Africa. And this is African Dialogue. Well, today we have a lighter subject matter. Today on the show, we ask the question, why isn't African fashion visace? Meaning, why isn't African fashion becoming popular on an entire international platform but before we get into that topic let's get our news update and Musa is standing by
5: In the headlines, Lesotho's Defence Force and SEDEC security agents patrol the scene of an overnight shooting. EU envoys agree to extend the mandate of EU peacekeepers in the Central African Republic and the first case of the Ebola virus has been confirmed in the United States. Good morning, Lesotho's Defence Force and Sedak security agents are patrolling the scene of an overnight shooting outside the home of the country's Government Secretary, Muthodi Mpaka in Kubitswana, just outside the capital, Maseru. The shootout ensued between a group of unknown men and the army which was responding to a call from Mpaka that his bodyguard was being attacked. Five police vehicles with bullet holes and guns have been abandoned on the road in the area. The deputy secretary general of the Lesotho Congress for Democracy, Tidisho Mukhossi, excla- claims that the unknown men were police officers. He says one police officer was shot in the incident.
0: Last night, probably
5: just after night here, yeah. People from my village, they phoned me to say they are hearing sounds of guns, heavy guns going on and on.
1: We did not know exactly what was happening after, but after about 30 minutes, because the gunshots were heard for over an hour. I'm told
5: that when the army arrived, they then abandoned the vehicles, the guns, their uniform. EU envoys have agreed to extend the mandate of EU peacekeepers in the Central African Republic by three months. The decision to extend the mission until mid-March next year was taken by EU member state diplomats meeting in the EU's political and security committee. The decision still needs ministerial approval, likely to be given at the next foreign minister's meeting later this month. And anti balaka Christian militia took up arms in the Central African Republic last year in response to months of loot and killing by mostly Muslim slaker rebels after they toppled President Franja and seized power in March last year. Algerian Justice Minister Tahib Lahore says they have identified suspects in the abduction and decapitation of French tourist Thakhve Godal. And ISIS linked terrorist group calling itself Junt Al Khalifa seized Godal on September 21st when the 55 year old mountain guide was tracking in a national park in the eastern Algeria. The terrorists beheaded Godal in a video posted online on the 25th of September after giving France an ultimatum to stop its airstrikes against the ISIS in Iraq, a demand that Paris rejected. A probe has also been ordered to identify other members of the Algerian terrorist group. The first case of Ebola in the U.S. has been confirmed in a patient who recently travelled from Liberia to Dallas. The unidentified patient is critically ill and has been in isolation at a hospital in Texas since Sunday. The U.S. Centre for Disease Control and Prevention says a handful of people, mostly family members, may have been exposed to the patient after he fell ill. Health authorities are tracking down anyone who might have had contact with the man. The emergency responders who transported the man to the hospital have also been quarantined. Meanwhile, thousands of children affected by Ebola have been abandoned in West Africa. At least 3,700 children in Guinea, Liberia and Sierra Leone have lost one or both parents to Ebola since the start of the outbreak in West Africa. Children's Agency UNICEF says most of the children are being shunned by the surviving families and communities where they come from for fear of infection. UNICEF's Regional Director for Western Central Africa, Manuel Fontane, says the organization is looking looking at traditional and new ways to help provide children with the physical and emotional healing they need, including training some of the Ebola survivors to provide care and support to quarantined children in treatment centres.
0: Increasing number of children are left on their own in their homes because there, there was an Ebola case. They are usually being fed by neighbours, but no more than that and not cared for. So we really need to put in place systems. Uh, we have in a way the, the great uh, advantage that both Liberia and Sierra Leone have fairly advanced um, uh, legal frameworks for taking care of children without parents and orphans because of the wars and all the work that had been done by child protection organizations with the governments in the past so we have that but i think the big issue for us is going to be stigma and and uh, the risk to see the social cohesion in communities collapsing
1: and uh, and the difficulty to
5: Recapping the top stories, Lisseter's Defence Force and SEDEC security agents patrol the scene of an overnight shooting. EU envoys agree to extend the mandate of EU peacekeepers in the Central African Republic, and the first case of the Ebola virus has been confirmed in the United States. Missing your favourite Channel Africa radio shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free catch-up service that allows you to listen to Channel Africa radio content from your cell phone, computer or tablet at your convenience. Visit www.channelafrica.co.za and click on programs for a list of your favourite shows. Select what you want to hear. Click on Listen and enjoy Channel Africa Radio. It's as easy as that. Channel Africa Radio, the voice of the African Renaissance.
2: are listening to Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance remember that you are listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to southern Africa that's if you're listening to us on our shortwave facility online on on, on our shortwave service and if you're listening to us online rather you are streaming us on www.channelafrica.org and today we're looking at fashion a very some a topic that's very different here on African dialogue very lighter indeed we've been very heavy this week so today we're asking the the question, why isn't African fashion visace? That's the question we are asking today on our program. Despite the fact that the world is fascinated by African culture and design, it seems that uh, the continent's fashion industry isn't blowing Paris out of the map. While we see a consistency in fashion houses, designers, and fashion shows in Europe and the United States, it seems that Africa is uh, still trying to build brands that are as big as the Gucci's, the Visachi's, the Louis tons of this world. However, designers within Africa still uh, really building that sustainable market locally some are thriving however now today we have the L rising star awards which we are uh, highlighting and it will be held at, uh, at the end of this month and it will serve as a platform to showcase african fashion in all its glamour and uh, splendor and uh, to help us uh, for this particular conversation we have a uh, giselle with name ames am i saying your surname right That's a good one. <laughs>
6: try ever so far
2: okay <laughs> can, can you by ch- a
6: radio <laughs> presenter
2: <laughs> can you go for it for me
6: <laughs> Where's time <ends. laughs> oh, how do i say it's giselle where's time oh where time, oh, just, time aims. just call me giselle it's okay giselle
2: fantastic and also she is a publishing editor for al and uh, uh, leading that particular magazine also we have anisa mbungwe who is a director and founder of loin cloth and ashes clothing label and also a previous winner of the al rising star award Awards. And I think we're going to be joined by Inez, who is also the founder and director of Mill Coal Lines and a Spanish designer who is producing from Rwanda and Kenya. Now, let's start with this particular topic before we get into the L Rising Star Awards. Uh, Giselle, in terms of uh, looking at African labels, why are we seeing a struggle
6: you know, probably generally with I think lots of uh, um, industries in Africa, it's probably still a little bit before the time. Remember that we're not the oldest nation in the world. Yeah. So I think that we are running a little bit behind the curve in terms of timing. Um, but obviously, and, and I think we also have to be careful here because I think the European designers and even the Americans and, and Indians, everyone takes inspiration out of Africa. So it's not like you're not seeing African design being um uh, created in in creations around the world or being expressed, I think what we're really struggling with um, is to get South African designers to become at the forefront of the international stage. Unlike some of our, if you look at sport, for example, mm. there are a lot of South Africans who are at the forefront of their global sporting categories hmm. but we're not seeing that out of fashion and that's very surprising to me personally i have to say yeah because i think Afri- you know we as africans are extremely artistic and creative and um, you know we're very strong at that, so it does beg the question. Even though there, you know, there is historic, there's historical reasons, and that we are a little bit behind the curve. But on in, so as an industry, there's specific reasons. As an individual level, I'm not sure, and I think Anissa and maybe Enes can maybe talk to that more. Um, so I think we can definitely improve there. And it's not to say that they're not taking inspiration from Africa. They hmm. just not we're just not creating it here. And then producing it and it's not being bought overseas and I think that's really the challenge.
2: Yeah, Anissa, why are we having that particular challenge in itself? I mean, it's great to take the inspiration from Africa but we have our own designers, we have our own uh, labels here on the continent and I think those need to be exported isn't that the idea?
7: Um, Absolutely, I think uh, we are dealing with quite a number of factors that um, withhold us from going international. Hmm. Um, First of all, we're catching up. Um, So, what that basically means is we are still learning how to um, create the perfect garment or a well-finished garment that can compete or at least stand next to an international brand. Um, There's finance backing that is a big issue across Africa. Hmm. Um there's also skilled workers that um you know, uh with the with a textile industry having a bit of a, a, a turmoil. Um yeah, Light, any.
6: so yes. the textile industry not supported by the South African government because mm. yes, they allow cheap imports to come and destroy entire industries. Mm. Yeah, Sorry. you know, yeah. yeah. So,
7: so, so, so we have a lot of factors that um, kind of hinder us from going overseas and and focusing on what we need to focus, and that is luxury goods. Mm. Um, and 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 it's it's sad, and it's and it's a it's a challenge. But I also think. Um, I find that year by year that that voice is getting louder and louder. The frustration mm. is becoming, you know, quite intense that people are, are going to say enough is enough. Can can somebody, you know, pay attention? Mm. Um, because the skills are there, the creativity is there. Um, the fact, you know, that Giselle said that a lot of um, international brands look into Africa. We have a story to tell. Mm. Um, it's just our tools need to just be... Updated and well, we just need to be well prepared.
2: Well, Ines, you from uh, uh, Spain, I'm told, and you're a Spanish designer uh, producing from Rwanda and Kenya. Why did you decide to do that yourself?
1: Um, I I ended my my final career studies in um, in Barcelona, actually. But I had had uh, quite a lot of contact with the African continent before being traveled a lot uh, while I was uh, also studying fashion design. And what I found is that there was incredible potential. When I first arrived in Rwanda in the year 2007, Mm. I found that there was... A lot of um, expertise in handcraft. There was incredible talent in seamstressing. And there was obviously a lack of knowledge in some of the more technical areas. Mm. But the potential was really, really high. And um, my experience is kind of... Through the opposite um, sense, I I realized that Spain was completely overflatted by by brands that were trying to produce mm. and and you know excel in the in the uh, Spanish uh, country, and I also realized that the challenges that they were facing were not very different from the ones that Africa is facing with regards to production and manufacturing, with China being a very important threat, and. Um, I just realized that with this, with this incredible potential, there was a brand could actually be founded in Rwanda, which was our case, and then we first slowly expanded into Kenya. And um, in our particular brand, uh, the whole effort is actually believing that Africa can be the market and is the market for us. So it's basically mm, a vertical alignment of we produce and we sell in Africa. We source and, and, and everything is in Africa first. Mm -hmm. So we found that there were incredible opportunities and we just uh, pursued them.
2: Yeah, well, another interesting dynamic uh, Maybe I should bring this to you, Anissa Because you were telling me while I was bringing you into the studio That you, you're you very busy during the year And uh, we've seen many African designers uh, Really showcase their work overseas But it seems that uh, there is a struggle On the commercialization uh, perspective Or aspect of the business, isn't it? Mm. Of, like, uh, commercializing your works themselves
7: mm. Um. Um. Kudos to her that she found Rhonda And she mm. found... Uh, Kenya, and 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 she 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 could she could make it work mm. um, i think from uh, i mean from I, I could speak for myself yeah. um when I first started off my business um, there was v- really um kind of little to no backing um to be honest Mm. and i had to learn as as i as as i went went along and through that um i decided personally that i needed to align myself with the right crowd or the right people or get um advice from the right people Mm. um and through that i my brand then then i could have that that conversation for example um um, uh with mr price who's very present in in what what's happening with with this uh, why we're here mm-hmm. um and and trying to reach people that I can't reach um, mm-hmm. and having to um, uh, s- sort of be smarter about how I could reach the customer mm-hmm. without compromising um my 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 brand or being really strategic in how and how I you know, I, I, I read people, it, yeah. right, yeah. exactly. So, um, like I said, I can speak for myself, but many designers um, struggle. Um, and purely because there is no funding.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm going to take a little break quickly, and I'm going to come back to you, Giselle, because for me it is interesting that at least 50% to 75% of Africa's designers will showcase at a New York Fashion uh, Week, but it seems like the, the branding aspect of it is something that we can work on, and maybe let's look at that when we come back after this break.
5: Always missing your favorite Channel Africa radio shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free catch-up service that allows you to listen to Channel Africa radio content from your cell phone, computer or tablet at your convenience. Visit www.channelafrica.co.za and click on programs for a list of your favorite shows. Select what you want to hear. Click on Listen and enjoy Channel Africa Radio. It's as easy as that. Channel Africa Radio, the voice of the African Renaissance.
2: You are listening to Channel Africa. As a guy, I'm uh, very in an interesting position here, speaking fashion. I don't know if I know a lot about fashion myself, but uh, we're asking this very interesting question on African dialogue today in terms of why isn't African fashion Versace? And I'm sure you understand what we mean by that. Why isn't African fashion as popular as the big brands that we see on an international stage? Especially now, we're seeing a lot of African prints coming out, and the African look is becoming very popular right now. in uh, in the fashion world but really the brands themselves we don't see them sticking out and uh, uh, Giselle in terms of that question in terms of looking at the idea that we do see fashion designers coming out uh, in terms of uh, exposing their works in the likes of New York's uh, fashion weeks and 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 things like that but it seems like uh, the brands themselves they don't really stick out and maintain that momentum after these fashion shows. I
6: know and that's the interesting thing why not and Mm. I I I think Anissa um, perhaps alluded to it. I think you know, it takes a lot of financial backing and investment to make brands happen in international markets. So if you yeah. want to make it big and you want to get into retail, for example, in the US. Mm. You really have to be backed. You have to have huge backing behind that because it's not just about the possibility of getting your range into one of the uh, interstore. Mm-hmm. It's about them being able to produce to the scale needed for those markets, yeah. which are obviously you know in, in, in a such a different category to the South African fashion market, which is very niche and mm-hmm. and, and contained. So I think it's I think. Uh, but but having said that, I think that there isn't enough focus yeah. on it as you know we talk, you know when we look at economics and when uh, business when there's always this analysis around beneficiation and mm. South- where mm. South Africans really fall short, is that we have all this gold and we have all these minerals, but then we never create an end product. And I think, again, it's it's the same when you look at fashion. We don't... We have talent. What yeah. will happen is that talent gets to show at New York. Um, and we were just... Um, Talking now about a, a designer who's shown at uh, Berlin um, for Leduma, it's uh, Leduma, mm. and he has the most beautiful jerseys uh, made out of mohair. So it's, it's wool produced in South Africa. This, in fact, out of the the Cape, the Eastern Cape. I've mm. seen the whole production in that. Mm. Now, whether or not he, he is like a frenzy over it. Mm. Now, whether or not he is going to get either a big European country or a company who wants to take that label now and put it into under his label into mainstream retail. Yeah. That's going to be really interesting to see because there's all this interest. But he himself is not able to do that. And mm. certainly no one in South Africa, from what I can see, and maybe I'm being a little bit harsh here, but from what I've read, no one is actually going and saying, let's take this guy. In fact, even locally. I mean, he's this huge hit in mm. Berlin, mm. you know, July, August, huge hit. But locally – it's not you don't see it you don't see it in the in the in the big malls and the stores so it's not available so we have to ask the question why not because i think if we could get there are a lot of big global brands that have now put retail shops you know in in our country so it's not like there aren't international country companies in south africa making use of our consumers and taking money outside the country so why is there not that connectivity to saying okay Let's take some of the amazing inspirations and market them back over there mm. um that's it's not happening there's no incentive there's no there's no one i think in government pushing for it in the in the trade and industry segment um and I think so long as you rely on individuals to have to do that, they're always going to remain contained and mm. a niche actually
2: mm. let's let's put that to Ines. i mean Ines, how do we change that environment whereby we see a backing from corporate a backing from governments to support uh, the fashion industry on the continent
1: well i i think there's a big luck as i was saying and um, there, there's an incredibly big luck Mm. So one of the things that, uh, as Giselle was mentioning, is key in the fashion industry and in succeeding is, is access to funding, mm. and this is actually something that is still very challenging and very difficult for brands. Um, I think, from our perspective, if you if you start smaller, so the African market for for our for our experience has offered a very much smaller scale. In, when we have done collaborations with bigger companies, um, like, for example, anthropology which has happened twice for us, um, you face a lot of challenges in terms of like, being able to stretch you know, that financial situation of a big order in a much bigger scale throughout the board for like a six-month production period. So I think that gap is still very big and uh, very difficult for companies to basically be able to, uh, to access those facilities. In terms of um, any other political, I mean, Rwanda has been for us a very easy environment in the sense of setting up up the company and, like, having access to relatively, um, you know, facilities in terms of taxing, importing textiles. In that sense, Rwanda has been very helpful, but, for example, Kenya, we haven't seen that much alignment with bringing small companies into the country. I guess that depends more on the focus of the politics mm. in, in, in each country. However, I do feel that um, it, is, it is very challenging for African companies to export into international markets, mainly because either we are facing a challenge to access those smaller retailers, mm. which could definitely fall into the scale that we as companies have today or, or the smaller brands have, or we are accessing these bigger retail monsters that are wanting, uh, which which is conditions are very strong and uh, and the production units are too high, so mm. there's basically not much in the ground. Yeah, international market yeah. today,
2: which is a contradiction, because we see positives yeah. when it comes to this industry in itself. Several economic uh, or economies have uh, rated among the most uh, African fastest uh, growing globally, and I'm speaking about African economies here. And the World Bank has predicted that African consumers will be spending at least one trillion dollars by 2020 in this particular industry. We're seeing a difference in what's happening in terms of the spending in this industry, but there's no real investment in it. Are we seeing any opportunities here, Anissa?
7: Just to go back to, um, just to wrap up what Giselle um, was saying mm. was that I think also another factor is um, the people because these companies are reacting to what the the, the consumer is 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 doing the yeah. the consumer activity. So the more we educate and the and the more we inform the everyday person that. Think Africa first before anything else, yeah. then I find that you could fi- you could see then a shift of mind there okay. and if if the if the companies or the the, the government sees okay, we need to really be pro Africa first and then um, uh, uh, aspire to the, the other brands, the other international brands. Mm. I honestly think that, um, the, the average everyday person wouldn't say, wouldn't pick up a garment and say, oh, but this looks just like Givenchy. Mm. This, that person will know (laughs) who, I mean, uh, yesterday I had an intern and I, and, and she said to me, no, I know David Hale and I don't, and I know Tula Cindy mm. and I know the, and you can see like that the, she, she's really looking within her circle. Mm. I just wish that and she, but she's aspiring to be a fashion designer. Okay. But if you look at, um, uh, let's say perhaps a housewife or well, even somebody who, who, who is at, at a workplace, mm. they're all aspiring. To look like the New York girl, Yeah. or to look like the the dandy, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the 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 fine gentleman from England, or yeah,
2: it's on the wh- blogs, it's on. It's yeah, it, it, it's, it's exactly.
7: The, I really think it's 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 really honestly for me the root of it all is the mindset. If we really are. Um, Pr- proudly african in 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 every in every way in in how we express ourselves and how we w- w- wear our clothes what they mean i mean if you go in east africa there's the kanga in um and kitenge in in ghana there's the kente like mm. we there's history there yeah. there's a story there yeah. and and the, the 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 more we progress that idea i think th- like the whole it, there will be funding because then People will see, oh, okay.
2: The consumer wants it.
7: Yeah, the yeah. consumer wants it because it belongs to us.
2: Okay. And in terms of those opportunities I was asking you about, do you see any opportunities there?
7: Yes, I think that what I just said is a big opportunity to look, look at, mm. definitely. Um. Um. Uh, because we like uh, again Giselle said we are catching up um mm. to i mean in, in south africa 's twenty years now i believe um uh, we we are still learning and we're still um, um creating our own craft or being comfortable with our own craft so definitely there are opportunities um uh, to 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 be reached um, goals to be to be you know to to be reached out there definitely yeah
2: um, yeah now maybe let's come back to why we're doing this program in terms of the L Rising Star Awards tell us a little bit about that Giselle
6: well fourteen years ago I mean L, L is a magazine that has served South African readers now for eighteen years it was the first international fashion magazine launched in South Africa in a in the new democracy mm-hmm. um, and uh, soon after we launched the magazine we really wanted to be able to be part of the community and to do something to advance the community because there was no point just talking about fashion and as you say when we've been speaking about now a lot of the references even then you can imagine now 18 years ago how less developed we are than we are today most of the references were international Mm. so we were buying a lot of fashion stories in Mm. Mm. so what uh, we did and i had a an editor at the time by the name of nadine rubin very young editor and she was very very passionate about this she said "Giselle." We have to create an award for a young designer um, who's up and coming and who would be the next um uh, you know the next Carl uh, Lagerfeld, you know, yeah. for South Africa. That is what we yeah. have to do, yeah. and we have to give them something to work towards, and we have to create a benchmark in the industry. And in those days, um, SA Fashion Week had just started, not even. I think it, it was probably in its very infant stages. Yeah. And we worked with a fashion college, yeah. and we started the first award. And then by the second or third year, we were we had a, we actually had a slot at SA Fashion Week. And essentially, what it is, is essentially we select a student. Who's, who looks like they have the most talent, who's produced the, uh, the, the, a brief, who've, who's responded to a brief in the most appropriate, creative, relevant, and, and quality way, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. Quality is really important. So the craftsmanship, it's not just about the idea. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to make that idea come to action. I mean, Anissa is a, you know, as, a, as you know, is a past winner. And,
4: mm-hmm.
6: uh, you know, in order when we select the person and the winner, at the end of the day, that's a person who is going to go somewhere. Yeah. David Talley is another one. He was one of the early ones in the early days. Oh, yes. So, these are people that are going to make a difference in South African fashion. There's no question about it. And we've been doing that for 14 years. And for the last four or five of those years, we've been working with Mr. Price. And where that's been amazing is that we've worked with a retailer who then has added the link of taking the designer into their environment mm. and and exposing them to the commercial side of it. Mm. Because obviously what we do, we're the magazine. We, reflect, we just reflect the trends. We transpose them for readers to see. Yeah. Uh, designer can come and work with us but essentially all we get up to is we do fashion shoots and we write <laughs> and we and we obviously promote yeah. but you need to be in the engine room to yeah. see you know really how you know how do they decide what to bring into the store what's going to move um you know what are the trends how do you get consumers to to buy that and you know i, I have to be honest some people say well my, why mr price well mr price is a really local company that does a lot for local fashion yeah, and yeah, has exactly. created an entry point, I think for a lot of people to be able to buy fashion. This is also really important yeah. because, you know, and we're talking it's, about it's all these a, big it's names it's here. It's also got
2: an accessibility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
6: So, um, so, so it's a great partnership. And I think what's interesting this year is that we have opened it up for the first time to Africa and, you know, it's baby steps. I think next mm. year, you know, it'll be more, even more exciting. Yeah. So we are really trying to make this more of an African award, but still it's, it's very South African. and, mm. And the quality in the talent is amazing. I mean, yeah. I think Adisa can tell you more about that.
2: Yeah. Ines, in terms of that, the that, that idea of the talent on the continent, maybe how do we actually come to a point where we expose the talent? Why is that important for us also to give these people a platform, but not just give them a platform, but allow them to incorporate themselves in structures where they are fully supported? That
1: question for me.
2: I was just asking you, why is it important to give African designers that platform where they can have structures such absolutely. as to, I mean, to, to be supported
1: like i i I think the rising competition is absolutely brilliant, like having a platform that can actually integrate um Also, being able one of the most difficult things for for an upcoming designer is to actually have a contact with the market, to actually have an opportunity to have their product out there, and basically follow the entire chain and understand what what's happening in every process Mm. until it reaches the consumer. What the consumer really thinks, I think initiatives like this should be all over the continent. Are absolutely necessary. Uh, In fact. I do not recall when I was uh, when I was finishing my, my studies in the university. I do not recall an initiative like this. Mm. I think it's um, I think it's brilliant, it mm. is brilliant, so, and it's absolutely necessary that more people are contagious yeah, by these yeah. this initiative to uh, to do things similar than that. You know
2: yeah Giselle, let me bring that back to you so what 's the competition now? How do people participate i mean we 've so, got listeners from all over the sure. continent so
6: so we 've already finished obviously for this year we 're kind of at the closing stages okay, now. Cool. The finalists are going to be judged at Africa Fashion Week, which is coming up at the end of october yes between 9th of October but already we start work on campaign for next year so if you are you know if you are if you are a student and you have You can go onto the L website. You can go onto all the – I mean, we've got pages and pages now of references to not just this year's competition but years back, the judges' comments. You can actually see what the judges look for. You can look at the criteria. It will be exactly the same next year. It doesn't change. We calibrate very slightly, not a lot. So Mm. so actually, you could already start preparing for next year. Uh, We start the campaign already in February, March next year to recruit. And by September, we've basically got – To find this list, we've already gone through the first two rounds of judging and we get to the final round at the end of the month and we choose South, you know, Africa's rising star.
2: Fantastic. We're going to take a little break right now, but when we come back, I want us to just look at one area that you touched on earlier, Giselle, in terms of uh, the whole textile industry, how it works. We know that uh, it seems like the Chinese textile industry as well is a bit of a headache for local designers. So I want us to attack that. We only have six minutes left, but uh, let's uh, deal with that after this break. Well you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. You're listening to us on the frequency nine six two five kilohertz on the thirty one meter band to Southern Africa. Well today we are looking at a very much lighter a subject. But I think it's 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 plays in the fabric of our everyday and uh, its fashion. And I was asking a question there about this whole issue of uh, African designers having to deal with the headache of the Chinese textile industry, which is churning out millions upon millions of garments and literally using the African continent as a little dumping ground. Not really little, but a very big dumping ground. Uh, what's your view as a, a fashion designer, as a, a stylist yourself, Anissa?
7: Um, it's, it's really hard to, to see that. I mean, we'll do small exercises, like go into stores and look, for example, uh, at a particular, like just a simple blazer Hmm. and it'll retail at no more than 500 Rand. Now to achieve that. As a local designer i, I don 't know what fabric you would source mm. um, to, to to achieve that kind of pricing. Um, it is tough, so you find a lot of designers, um, especially with a competition um, that that we 've been judging um, that I, I see the kids now are saying enough is enough we 're going to do our own printing yeah. we 're going to create our own our own identity now because we are being pushed that far. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's an expensive exercise, and it kind of slows down the process. But at the end of the day, they're really standing up for this is my brand. This is what uh, uh, I, I, I this is what I'm talking about. This is my story, and I want to make that blazer, and I want it to be less than five hundred rand, or maybe even more. But mm. appreciate the fact that it is homegrown. Yeah. Um. So yes, it is tough. Um. Some designers go overseas and get their printing done. Overseas, um, I know Laleso does that, or oh, mm. they're also really um, um, uh, strongly linked with uh, Kenya, mm. and they also—I mean—you you can see that you know they, they, they've had enough of this there's kind a resilience. of resilience. Exactly, yeah. there's, and and it's a and it's a it's a silent one, but we are frustrated. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not nice that. Um, or you want to 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 do something for your continent or to do something for your country through clothing mm. um which is something that historically that's how people identify mm. um um periods of time that it's it's a challenge to just sell you a skirt or mm. to just sell you a blazer that is made by me and sis sis wendy <laughs> or you know yeah um um so that's that's my opinion of that yeah,
2: but what is causing this uh uh this uh, boom uh, of us relying on the chinese uh, for textile?
6: well just a simple thing of 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 you know there were no there are no barriers to entry for chinese clothing importers and mm. you know the ability you know south african labor and manufacturers really battles not even south africans everyone mm. in the world battles mm. to compete with the chinese they've very very cheap labor mm. There are millions of people who are below the bread line and who will work 24 hour, 24/7 to get you know a t-shirt out on a on a on a, flagpole, a sweatshop i mean we've all heard of them yeah, so yeah, yeah. but but i think there's another issue here too and that is that we should focus more on quality and mm. i think the south african consumer needs to be educated more about quality because we see a lot of people who are happy to spend a thousand rand let's say over three months on on poor poorer quality clothing r- mm. rather than spending 800 rand one off yeah. on something that will really last you a long time. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I don't want to keep referring back to McCauzy at Leduma, but I, I just think the work that he's doing, you know, using local textile, which is you know, mohair, yeah. which, yes, is very labor-intensive and time-intensive and all of that, but it's good quality. Now, how long that's going to last? And it's not going to be cheap. You're yeah. not going to find it in a, a low end. But if you buy something that's really African beautiful, you're going to have it for a very long time. And it can be worn over and over. It will not date. And I think that maybe also our designers, generally, there are two streams. There's the throwaway stuff, the T-shirts and Mm. the stuff that, yeah, people, you know, want to have the new best one tomorrow and the new slogan the next (laughs) day because it's something cool. And then there's the stuff that we need to make, which is the beautiful stuff that will last you a long time. And that's distinctive. Mm. And that's a challenge I also would would like to put out there, that we can make – we can make – Chanel clothing, the African version. We can yeah. do it.
2: Yeah, let me give anise We've got just two minutes left. Uh, a chance just to wrap it up in terms of uh, making sure that we rely on our own textile industry. I know that you work with a lot of uh, crafts uh, uh, people in 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 your own uh, space in Kenya and uh, Rwanda. How do we make sure that we empower the communities themselves, as you're doing inies? Well,
1: basically, I mean. Um So looking up on the textile issue, I mean, we have experienced the same challenges. Like, we wanted to uh, basically source uh, African textile, and it has been incredibly challenging for us, too, because of um, having to, at the end of the day, that first piece of the prime material that you're using in the chain has to be imported. Mm. So you're basically manufacturing in those uh, co-ops, which can actually produce the garment but you, you see yourself forced to buy from external international markets. Mm. However, I do feel that there is still an indu- industry that is there and in place. Uh, for example, for us, we found like quite a lot of bar- variety in Madagascar and Mauritius. Okay. So, I mean, I think it has to be a balance because we cannot fight with the elements. So, there is a certain... Um, challenge of, of variety of texas we won't be able to source but it i think it's, it's about finding a balance and a combination and just to wrap up about what we were saying about the prices and the chinese um, you know um invasion into the continent which i think is again a, a thing that goes on worldwide i do feel like african based designers and african designers have been pushed somehow into mm this niche of the market that is about luxury and about, as Giselle was saying, quality products, a mm. lot of branding mm. behind. In a way, we are defining, you know, the future of these brands that are going to stand out like, in, in a different extent but like Gucci and Louis Vuitton did in the time in Europe, you know, so I think that It is smart to take an approach where obviously we're not being as expensive as those brands in that particular market, but we're trying to do a high-end quality product that tells a story of how, you know, the entire process is made and, if possible, um, grounded in Africa, so as much of, of Africa being involved into the process of creation
2: of a product fantastic let's wrap up Giselle tell us a little bit more uh, where do we go which side do we go to and uh, tell us a little bit about the awards that are coming place let's just wrap it up in that way
6: uh, very quickly I mean you just go to L magazine site it's L magazine SA and um, sorry l um, you can also go on Twitter l magazine dot, uh, what's it L magazine SA, Twitter <laughs> and you can follow them they tweet all the time um, 29th of October Will be Melrose Arch with Africa Fashion Week. We are the second show of the evening. All the finalists will, will come out and show their garments. The winner will be announced on the evening. All our panel of judges will be there. Um, and it would be, be wonderful for locals to come out and support them, see the amazing work that's been done. Denise, I think you. It a little bit of it, it is spectacular.
2: Fantastic. That's how we wrap it up. Exciting indeed that platform created for unknown young uh, designers on the continent to be exposed. Uh, but uh, want to hear your thoughts. What did you think about this particular conversation? Why do you think that African fashion is not visage? Let us know your thoughts. Plus 27823325905. I have Wisani Matebula standing here patiently waiting to do the economics update. So I'm going to give him his chance.
3: Thanks, Benjamin. glencore owned Mobani Copper Mines has suspended some of its planned $800 million Zambian copper mining projects after the government withheld $200 million in tax refunds. Africa's second largest copper producer is withholding a total of $600 million in VAT refunds owed to mining firms and will only repay the cash when the companies produce import certificates from destination countries. Zambian Finance Minister Alexander Chikwanda said in August it planned to waive the requirement because it's impractical. The Zambia Revenue Authority says it's still consulting with exporters before implementation. Zimbabwe is set to take its second step towards normalizing relations with the International Monetary Fund following the IMF's announcement on Monday that Zimbabwe has met agreed economic reform targets. Concluding a two-week visit where it reviewed Zimbabwe's implementation progress, the IMF says the country has made significant policy reforms that will form the basis of economic growth. Zimbabwe's finance minister, Patrick Chinamasa, says the targets for the new program are achievable.
0: We are committing ourselves to carrying out further reforms, further reforms, structural reforms on debt management, structural reforms on tax policy and administration, uh, structural reforms on doing business, as well as structural reforms that improve our investment environment.
3: South African state logistics company Transnet has signed a $2.1 billion deal with Global Mining Group BHP Billiton to provide trains to bring coal to coast for export. The contract is on a take-or-pay basis, which means that Transnet commits to providing the trains and the company is obliged to pay whether they move product or not. Transnet says BHP is the first major customer to commit to a long-term take-or-pay contract with it and that it hopes to formalise similar agreements with 28 remaining customers by the end of November. African Mineral says it is open to selling as a majority stake in its only mine as part of its uh, financial rescue after reporting a 97% drop in its first half-core earnings. The Sierra Leone-focused iron ore producer is in a critical situation, battered by a 40% drop in the iron ore price, and the effects of the Ebola epidemic. The company is seeking working capital and cash to fund the expansion of its Tonkolili Lili mine and to refinance an expensive $250 million loan. However, its problems mean an investment deal proposed last year and worth almost $1 billion with China's Tianjin Materials and Equipment Group Corporation is unlikely to happen. Financial indicators, the dollar trading at 11.27 South African rents at 9.14 Botswana bullies and 6.23 Zambian Quaches, also trading at 0.61 to the British pound and 0.77 to the euro. Gold is now at $1,206 and platinum at $1,280 a fine ounce. Brent crude oil, $95.10 per barrel. That's your economics news.
2: Time now for the sports. We're forgetting what's in the studio.
0: In our sports update this hour, we're kicking off with football news. Delta State Football Association Chairman Amiju Pinik has been elected the new president of the Nigeria Football Federation, the NFF. Pinik won 32 votes of the 44 men Congress after a rerun because he did not have the mandatory two-thirds majority votes. Former NFF Secretary General Taiwo Ongujobi had four votes with ex-international Dominic Iofa getting eight votes in the rerun. Pinnick succeeds Aminu Maigari and has a four-year term during which he is expected to improve the finances of the often-broke NFF. But his immediate task is to decide on the future of Nigeria coach Stephen Keshi, who has yet to be given a new contract after his initial deal ran out after the recent World Cup in Brazil. And in women football, Vera Powell, the head coach of the South Africa senior women's team, Banyana Banyana, named her final 21-player squad on Tuesday to represent the country at the 10th edition of the CAF African Women's Championship. That will be held in Namibia from the 11th to the 25th of October. Banyana's midfielder, Rifilo Jane, is relieved to have made the cut. She says she feels for those who couldn't make it.
5: I can't say that the pressure is off, that's where the pressure or starts, what, uh, what I can say is we've been working hard, all our training sessions, all our camps and the games that we played we made sure that we give our 100% when the coaches have to select, they get those heartless nights, sleepless nights, into selecting who's going to play. Those players who are selected, it's only on merit. Even those who did not make the team, it's only unfortunate that the coach couldn't take everyone. But we show that everybody that's been selected to play is going to pull out the correct performance and is not going to take everything off because they're into the team that's going.
0: Banyana opened their account against Cameroon in 11 days' time in Windhoek. It is almost a given that Arsenal will reach the Champions League knockout stages but their path to the last 16 could become awkward if they fail to beat Galatasaray at home tonight. That was the warning from manager Arsene Wenger ahead of the clash with the Turkish side at the Emirates, where Arsenal will attempt to kick-start the European campaign after losing their opening match at Dortmund two weeks ago. Wenger is well aware of how important home games are as they seek the 10 points, which is seen as the normal requirement to reach the knockout
1: stage. It's early, but... uh No, uh, we are a bit uh, maybe more under pressure to win the game than if you had won the first, but uh, basically the the target is the same in the Champions League. You want to win your home games, even one. You need uh, one good result away from home and to win you three home games.
0: And in swimming news, South Africa's Chad Leclos. 48.56 48.56 beat Tom Shields of the U.S. 49.02 in the 100-meter butterfly at the Hong Kong League of the 2014 World Cup Series last night. Leclerc was desperately unlucky not to take the world record, touching less than a tenth of a second outside the mark set by Evgeny Korochikin of Russia back in 2009. It was his sixth consecutive win in the event. Shields claimed the 200-meter butterfly the evening before, taking a half second off his U.S. record, and the pair have shared honors in a 100-meter fly over the past 12 months. Leclerc's second gold of the night was an extreme performance. He looked focused before the strong and throughout the men's 50-meter freestyle. Pumped with 21.7, he threshed at the water after checking the time. And that's your sport news this hour.
2: Well, that's how we wrap it up. What an interesting conversation. Very light indeed, but very serious indeed, looking at the fashion industry. How do we empower young designers on the continent? And why do we struggle with uh, actually making sure that uh, we uh, make our brands uh, as... uh, uh, as big as the Visachis and uh, the Louis Vuittons of this world, but what did you think about today's conversation? Let us know your thoughts on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. That's plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. And I was just speaking to the designer Anissa, who was joining us there, and she was saying, "Hey, she's from Tanzania, and uh, uh, she was just a student, and she didn't have resources, she didn't have funds, and somehow she was able to connect with the right people and through this particular competition which they are extending to the rest of the continent she was able to actually uh, make it to where she is right now so go go check it out the Al Rising Star Awards I know the competition is closed this year but you can check it out for next year and they will be announcing the uh, winners of the awards at the end of this month so go to www.al.co.za and I'm sure you'll find the links to that particular award but uh, let me end with the proverb of the day and I like this one this one is very interesting indeed it states that when the elephant fight it is the grass that suffers when two elephants fight it is the grass that suffers that's a Nigerian proverb that's how we wrap it today thank you for joining me here on African Dialogue
4: I'm a man who I'm you.